shift into an attitude of gratitude. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and today we're traveling the world and we are talking to money and happiness expert, Ken Honda. He is a best-selling self-development author in Japan with book sales surpassing 8 million copies since 2001. His latest book is called Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. And that came out June 4th, 2019 with Simon & Schuster. Ken studied law at Waseda University in Tokyo and entered the Japanese workforce as a business consultant and investor. Ken's financial expertise comes from owning and managing several businesses, including an accounting company, a management consulting firm, and a venture capital corporation. His writings bridge the topics of finance and self-help, focusing on creating personal wealth and generating personal wealth and happiness through deeper self-honesty. Ken provides ongoing support through his mentoring programs, business seminars, therapeutic workshops, and correspondence courses. Ken is the first person from Japan to be voted into the Transformational Leadership Council, a group of personal and professional development leaders. He is fluent in Japanese and English, lived in Boston, Massachusetts for two years, and currently resides in Tokyo, Japan. And you can learn more about him at KenHonda.com. But right now, Please welcome Ken Honda to our show. Thank you, Deborah. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, what an honor. So I'm very excited to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you. And as I was mentioning before we popped on, is I've listened to the audiobook first during a walk <laughs> and then in a long car ride from the mountains to home. So nice. one and a half times. And it so I've been walking in nature with your book, and which is very uh-huh. interesting because what you talk about in the book has a lot to do with the world around you. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories that starts in your book that I, f- I, I found it interesting is the lady who took your wallet and <laughs> opened it looking for happy money. And mm-hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit of that story, but mm-hmm. also... I guess one of the things that also hits me, and I and I know I'm just going to jump back for a second, is how this opportunity came to you while just being in a playground with your daughter and to remind us of how possibilities and opportunities can spark out of nowhere. Yeah, so true. So let me just talk about this mysterious woman at first. So she came to... Uh, to just tap me on my shoulders at the party when I was talking with a few people. And at the time there was a, a lot of magazine articles and TV uh, programs on uh, what kind of celebrity, what kind of wallets that all the celebrities have. Wouldn't that be interesting uh, to see uh, your president's wallet or somebody like Justin Bieber or Mariah Carey, do they even have a wallet? And surprisingly they have a wallet, right? So they uh, it's a tiny, big, huge. So they're very obsessed with it. So, okay. I thought, okay, she's a fan of those programs. I said, you can take a look, but make sure you give it back to me safe. So she said, mm-hmm. okay. She, and I handed over my wallet and she pulled out all the uh, bills and she was checking something. This is good. This is good. This is nice. And then she put them all back in and said, Ken, you passed the test. I said, what test? Uh, she said, all your money was smiling in your wallet. That means you must have made a lot of people happy and received this kind of money. So uh, great. Congratulations. You're you're just uh, making everybody happy. And I said, what? And she said, I'm so sorry. Uh, I see things that other people don't see. So if you uh, if I take a look at the wallet, I can tell uh, what kind of person who are, uh, who she is or who he is. And she, she said, um, if you are taking advantage of other people and then get money, 
or if you're doing the work you don't like and then get money your money is angry or crying in your wallet and that was very surprising and then after that i kept thinking of all my friends that guy definitely you know has bad money crying money and deborah she must be having a smiling money you know so so i categorized my friends who have smiling money and uh, there are many but who had uh, unhappy smiling money and, uh, and it just shocked me i think my job is to make all the money smile in the world i love that that's that's beautiful and now and then i was thinking about often people aren't carrying money in their wallet other than their debit cards these days so yes. how would we know if they have happy money or should they make sure that they have some cash in their wallet so they can actually see <laughs> if it's happy or not? Yeah. So in my seminar, I ask people to just, you know, show me, show me your wallet. And then uh, a lot of people these days show my, uh, show their iPhones to me, you know, because uh, for certain countries like in Japan and in Korea or in China and some European countries, they can do anything uh, with iPhone. So uh, I just say, in that case, just bring your iPhone and just uh, go to your online bank account and then look at the numbers. And if that numbers make you smile, that's happy money. Oh. Numbers make you feel squeezed, that's right. unhappy money. So you can tell. Do you, do, do you feel like your heart is opening up to the online bank account numbers or you feel squeezed in you know uh even though it's the same amount of numbers right you no know, the difference will be there and not just waiting for payday to have that smile on your face when you look at your numbers <laughs> yes and also even if you get a payday surprisingly you right. know there seem to be a very happy person so you may not understand a lot of people aren't happy because on the payday they look at the number like going say $3,000 or $2,500. And the, the day of the payday, you can be happy, right? But day of the payday, that's like a doomsday. This is not enough, you know? Right. When you feel the shortest, you know, your short squeeze because yeah. you feel like this number would not help. So a lot of people get angry with the numbers they receive, which is not really a happy attitude, but unfortunately uh so many people are not happy on that payday right and you know when i think about that it's like when they look at that bank account when it's not happy that they're mm -hmm. they're seeing that there's always never enough that scarcity mindset right right yes so unfortunately that a lot of us don't feel like it's not enough and even if we just say if i wish i had a uh uh, uh, one hundred thousand uh, dollars in my bank account, and then the the dream comes true one day in a few years, and then when you look at the numbers, this isn't good enough, and I need five hundred thousand dollars, right. maybe a million dollars, and then by the time um, you reach that goal, you feel like that's not enough because um, uh, by the time you're surrounded by more wealthy people, they're having uh, private jets and all that, so. They feel short again. So unless you know when is enough, how much is enough, how much uh, is more than plenty, and unless you have the numbers in your head and in your heart, you suffer for the rest of your life. Well, I think that's a really important point that you make. It's the head and the heart have to be connected with yes. the money, right? Because mm -hmm. there can mm -hmm. you can always have that never enough mindset, but you know, to get to that place where you can be satisfied and say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually doing really good mm -hmm. and you can be able to enjoy it. So I'm going to jump back to the first question. I know I doubled you up there, Ken, at the beginning, yes. but happy money came out of an inspiration from playing with your daughter at the playground. So I would love to mm -hmm. share with everyone how happy money was ignited. Okay, thank you for asking, Deborah. Uh, it's it's. I feel so old. It's twenty four or five years ago. Uh, my daughter was two, uh, one or two at the time. No, she must be two or three because she she could uh, enjoy the swing. That's her favorite thing. And then 
uh, we probably spent an hour or two hours there. So we had a little snack and on the bench and looking at other kids playing. And there is a mom and her daughter came to the park and then they were just enjoying a few swings, maybe like a minute or two. And her mom said, okay, it's time to go. And the daughter was saying, no, no, mom, we just got here. I want to, I want to do more. And she was so right because she probably enjoyed like 10 swings. And then uh, she seemed to be upset. No, your mom has to go to work. And then she was literally pulled off out of the swing. And then she was dragged uh, by her mother. And then she was crying. And I feel so shocked. I was just uh, paralyzed there for uh, 30 seconds. What and why? She was almost like taken to a prison. And I could really feel the uh, heartbreak of the little one. And then it hit me, you know, I was retired for three years. Um, and then I, I didn't have a job. I had enough money to go on. So we really enjoy a great time with my wife and daughter, myself. But uh, she seemed like a single mom who needs a job to bring food on the table. And I then I realized that if she knew more about money, if she knew how to make money, how to just enjoy money, uh, she'd probably want to stay in the park as long as her daughter wants, because and also that's what she wanted. And then I thought I got to do something. And uh, on the day that night, uh, I was writing a few paragraph, uh, and then it became a few pages, uh, and I started giving away to my friends. And that is the start of my career without knowing it. Right. And I think that's amazing because, you know, it led to boxes filling up a room in your house that your wife gave you kind of the <laughs> one month to, to get them all out, which I, I think, oh, bless her heart. <laughs> yeah, I, got a mix, I got it mixed up with the order, you know, uh, I, I was just copying it every day in my office and then I staple it. 20 copies is a big uh, thing. So I had to you know yeah. do it, squeeze it hard. So by the time I did like 30 or 40, I got sore hands and I was complaining about it over lunch with my friend. And he said, why don't you hire a printer? And uh, at the time there was something called a phone book. <laughs> and a lot of kids don't know in these days because no. they're, everything is on the internet, right? And then there's uh, under P section, there's a printer. And I, I asked a guy to come and then uh, ask him, can I print these um, about 200 copies? And he was laughing. Uh, no, 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 no. We do only a thousand, like a thousand oh. copies. I don't need them. You know, I don't have so many friends, but he said uh, a thousand is a minimum. So, okay. Okay. I'll do a thousand. And then he had another sheet of paper saying like, uh, actually, if you print 3000, the cost drops like 20%. And look at the numbers. Like it, it, it costs $6 or something to print one book, little booklet. But if you print thousand, it goes down to like $2. Like, wow, that's a big, big, it's a big change. So I signed a contract without knowing how many boxes <laughs> there could be. I thought that the cost would be cheaper. And then two weeks later, two trucks came into in front of our building. And then I thought somebody's moving and they were carrying something heavy. And I go, oh my God, is that like two can Honda? Like, yes, sir, <laughs> printed matters. <laughs> Oh my God, that's my booklet. So I had to empty, you know, uh, out one room and there's a stack of furniture in the living room. Right. And then I try to come up with a good excuse for my uh, wife, which I couldn't find any. So I said, I'm so sorry. I just did a terrible mistake. Look at this, you know, I, I asked only 200, but he said a thousand and then a 3000. <laughs> he didn't tell me how many boxes. And she, right. she was smiling, okay, I'll forgive you. <sighs> okay, that's good. I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to get rid of these in six months. She was little, uh, uh, you know, she looked at me like this and said, okay, one month I'll give you either boxes out or you out. <laughs> <laughs> then I started calling my friends. Uh, you said my booklet is great. I have uh, 
new one in brand new printed materials i'm going to send, send send you 100 copies you can give it to your friends and 50 copies and 10 copies and by the time uh, i think about two or three weeks i got uh, get i got rid of all the boxes in my house and your wife that's true testament to your love to her because <laughs> you, you worked on getting so, rid of that <laughs> so i could stay home <laughs> exactly so we talked a little bit about the difference between happy money and unhappy money, but how can mm -hmm. we start inviting more of that happy money into our lives? Yeah, that's a little tricky question. I always talk about it in the interview. Uh, I've been traveling around the world a few times lecturing on happy money. And what's interesting is in the, in the West, people tend to ask that exact same question. How can I have more? But in the East, people ask me, how can I satisfy myself? with what I have. Mm -hmm. So the approach is different. But for those of you who want to uh, invite more happy money, it's very simple. Give more, share more. You know, you have to do what you love. If you love um, writing, you should write more. If you love listening, if you are uh, like Deborah, you must be enjoying uh, conversations like this, right? Oh, I get so, so excited. <laughs> Right? So for hours. if you love interviews, yes. do interviews more. Right. So do what, what excites you more, and then you can have more impact to the world. And as, as a result, uh, the more you receive. So the more you share, more you give, more you receive. It's, as, um, it's so simple and so fair. And there's an energetic exchange with that money, mm -hmm. like like what I'm hearing from you say, if you're doing more what you love, you're excited, mm -hmm. you look forward in anticipation to the events that you do. And mm -hmm. when you give, you have that gratitude to see the changes that you can make in people people's lives. Last yes. night, I was in a, at an event and one it was a fundraising event for a school to pro help provide scholarships. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, give what you can. And, and to the point that you feel good with that decision. And I, and I was thinking about our interview today and I was like, yeah, I picked a number and then I doubled it just because wow. I felt better with, with that number than I did with my initial number that came to my mind. And Beautiful, uh, thank Way you. To go. Thank you. And, you know, I was watching the video and I've heard of some stories, but what really got me at the event is that they had some students from the school talking about, their program and one was an environmental technician watching her describe her passion and doing what she loves i was like that's what i want to contribute to when it came time to the donation and the donation part came after i had witnessed and been a part of this experience of someone's passion of doing what they love so i completely agree with you know hearing about doing more of the things that bring you much more joy Yes, beautiful. Does having a happy money mindset actually promote prosperity? Or is it that we're just happy all the time and content? And that's just the satisfa um, satisfaction, but not necessarily bringing us to a place of prosperity. So uh, there's uh, there are two components. One is money IQ. The other is money EQ. You have to have both. Happy money talks about money EQ. At the same time, you have to have money IQ. So um, even if you're happy and do nothing and meditate, nothing happens. So with this mentality, you can go out in the world and help people and just uh, do something that um, people love. And then uh, the more love that you have for them, the more love and respect they have for you. So say, if you want to be a writer, and if you're very excited about writing, just say, I, um, I write a book and usually get paid about, uh, say, $5,000 per book uh, if you're writing a regular book. Because the uh, uh, book royalties start with something like $5,000. Mm -hmm. And then if you write a good book and sell about 20,000 copies, you get, say, $20,000. And if you write a great book and sell a million copies, you get a million dollars mm -hmm. in return. So it's how much you do, even if you're excited about it, 
if it's not helping people, and that means uh, people don't buy books, and then you get only $5,000. So it's uh, the attitude, and also you have to make sure that you're doing it right. I wrote a national bestseller in Japanese, do what you love and make sure money follows you. You know, people are good at the first part, do what they love, great. You know, play the guitar, write your blog and all that, but they forget to make sure that money follows them. So you have to make sure that what you do is to the core that people love it. And then unless people love it, they don't pay money for it. So do what excites you the most, do what excites other people, and then they're so happy they're so eager to um, join or um, come to your services, like restaurant or if you're masusu, there will be like six months wait, you know, and then um, they're willing to pay more. Very interesting. Very interesting. You know, when you talked about you were able to separate some of the people that you know who have mm-hmm. unhappy and happy money. But mm-hmm. do you have to be wealthy to have happy money? I know a, a few people who are not wealthy, but they have a happy attitude toward money. And I, I know other few who have a lot of money, but they don't have a happy money attitude. So it doesn't really matter how much money you have or how much money you make. It's about how you relate to money. Mm. But in general, if you relate to money well, uh, more money will come so they cannot stay poor because if their attitude is happy and positive at money and work they get promoted you know what it, whatever they do will be appreciated so i think the most important thing is to have this uh, abundant mentality and then you can get out of this poverty uh, for the those of you who are struggling right now there are only two problems with money you're making too little spending too much and you have to do both you have to make more money and also you have to spend less by doing that your attitude will shift and then um, you can get out of this uh, tough place in a matter of months interesting so i was talking to some young people young adults going to university and Mm -hmm. it was interesting the conversation that we had just about money and you know the ability to go to school find resources And, you know, the conversation was that sometimes um, when we're growing up, we have these messages that, you know, money wasn't really talked about, or as soon as people start talking about money, they just feel like everything's just gone over their head. And there's (laughs) this fear of talking about it, or wanting to learn more for the fear of doing the wrong thing. In what ways can people shift their mindset to move toward more of the happy money than being afraid of the money great question deborah i'm really uh enjoying this and happy to um listen to your questions they're great questions so um when you are thinking of money what comes into your mind i always ask this fun question if money was an animal what would it be Mm. interesting what is it for you deborah for me i think it would be like a bird actually a bird bird. what kind of bird a hummingbird that's the first thing that came to my mind i guess i was thinking of all different kinds of animals but a hummingbird because it's kind of um feeding pollen into the flowers and i know that their wings go very quickly and they 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 can be decisive they can be decisive their choices right yes that's a beautiful uh choice some people say it's a dog could be a ferocious german shepherd could be a golden retriever and a cat, and one of my friends uh, said, it's a cat. You know, I want to pet him or pet her, but yeah. when I need him, I, I can't find him. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah, so it could be scary, could be uh, fun. You know, it's how you relate with money. So yes. I hope you start thinking money in a different way. Money can be scary if you just treat it bad. Money can be such a fun puppy uh, you can play with it because money can bring your happiness, freedom, and all sorts of things. So you have to uh, start learning about money in a different way. So once your attitude changes, 
money will become a different thing. Right. Because one of the things you talk about in the book as well, and, you know, it made me think about the books that I have in my personal library, is that the type of books that are available to us when it comes to money, there's often the technical part, the investing, things like Mm -hmm. that, or how to get out of debt kind of money. But then the biggest part is that psychology of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, all the books, like 95% of the books are money IQ related about the stocks, investing, and cryptocurrency, and all the technical things, which are great. But I think uh, you probably have seen the news that the smartest people on the planet making terrible mistakes and doing so wrong things, and they end up losing everything, you know? Uh, People who act out of greed, um, they lose everything. It's because they don't have a high money EQ. So you have to have both. And financial um, uh, psychology is in the field of money EQ. I've studied it for three decades, and I realized that uh, there are uh, four components. You know, uh, the, the one is how to receive well. If you're willing to receive money well, you can be abundant. And also the second rule is appreciate it. Uh, what, whatever you appreciate, appreciates. As long as you enjoy money, money grows. And the third one is to trust. This is a hard part. Can you trust the flow of money? You know, uh, once you have money, can you let go to a charity or pay bills? We just hold on to a bad girlfriend, a bad boyfriend. You know, it's not a good relationship, but you want to hold on to her or hold on to him. That's because we have this attachment issue. If you let go of the person, maybe somebody will, somebody better will show up but we cannot trust that. So trust the money will flow and then come back. So when you have a hard time trusting, think of breathing. You know, not many people worry about breathing in after I breathe out. Can I make sure I have enough air to breathe in? You know, like every breath I take, like I don't know if I can breathe out. Can you guarantee me that there will be enough air? So you're breathing, breathe out, you know, very uh, automatically. And also when you think of food, you know, uh, when it comes to money, we eat, 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 and then we refuse to go to the bathroom. I don't go to number one or number two, you know, I don't want to release. That's not healthy. You have to release well in order to eat well. So releasing well and eating well and drinking well is the basic thing for health. And the money is the same thing. So if you can trust the, the, you, after letting go of money, new, mo- new money will come in. If you have the complete trust, you will not have to worry about money for the rest of your life. And the last principle is to share. Share what you have. And then when you pay bills or donate your money, uh, you can say to money, thank you, you know, come back with your friends. <laughs> like that. And then... <laughs> Share your, share your money, and then the money will come back. So just receive well, enjoy, trust it, and share. So this is a, a cycle of happy money. Because what I realize is when people, I know people that as soon as the money comes in, they spend it because they have the fear that it, you know, they grew up that money wasn't around long. So you better spend it on what you want to, otherwise there won't be enough, right? Yes. So, so they've done that. And then yesterday, I have to throw in, as I was making my donation, I ha- had it in my phone and I said, arigato, just ah. like you have mentioned in the book. So I and now uh-huh. when I see money coming in, I'm starting to say arigato. So I'm taking the principle because I always tell my friends that when we read books, we need to take at least one or two things and implement it to make relevant to our lives. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank You're you. Perfect. So that is that is uh, something I, I, I was taught by my mentor, Wahid Takeda, who used to be called Warren Buffett of Japan. He was once a major shareholder of more than 100 public companies in Japan. And Japan is the third largest economic giant. So you know how big he is. And he said, the key to money is arigato your money, thank your money mm-hmm. when it came in, when it come in, and thank your money when it goes out. 
So, arigato in, arigato out. You know, I don't know if you've seen Karate Kid. I was going to wax on. Wax on. Wax on. <laughs> so, arigato in, arigato out. That yeah. is the principle of happy money, if you want to remember. And then we can all be in that place of Japanese Zen. Yes, because, you know, uh, when, when money comes in, uh, it's because the money wanted to be with you. Mm. And when money wants to leave, let it be because money needs to go somewhere else helping other people. So when you need money, money will be there standing for you. So uh, to protect you, to, uh, to provide you food and shelter. So for the rest of your life, money will be there. Once you know, it's almost like enlightenment. Oh, I, I'm being protected. So uh, I don't know who, whoever you call it, God or Allah or the, whoever, or which religion you, you believe in, it's the same. You know that you're well protected. And once you have this feeling, you'll be fine for the rest of your life. Right. So I can see how you'd have that sense of peace, that sense of security. And it also leads me to the next question that, you know, what does it mean to have that loving abundance relationship mm -hmm. with money, which you've explained? Uh, is there more, more to that? No, so uh, being abundant is like being fearless and uh, you're willing to take risks and do what excites you the most. It doesn't really matter mm -hmm. if you earn money or not. Um, that activities bring you so much joy. And then as a whole, you are getting compensated uh, mm -hmm. handsomely. So um, I'd say 80% or 90% of what I do, I don't get paid. Because the, like these interviews and, and so I talk to charities and public schools and that kind of events, I don't get paid. It's okay. I have other source of income and then I have, uh, I, ha I can manage to make both ends meet, you know, and, uh, very fortunately. So I'm okay. I'm all taken care of 100%. And with a feeling that I'll be okay for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. uh, for the rest of my life, gives me such a grounding feeling. Mm -hmm. And now what? How can I help other people? So if you feel like you have more than enough, please be willing to share what you have. And that's what we need more. Uh, because some people are, are really in need. Uh, they're desperate. So we, uh, we can help people uh, who are in need. And, and by doing that, you feel so um, loved too. Because mm -hmm. you, when you give love, you feel loved. So I, I hope uh, if you turn your money into happy money, you feel so blessed by doing that. That's wonderful because, you know, when you, when you say that about giving love and receiving love, you will be saving a lot of marriages out there as well because money tends to be a topic of conversation and a lot of great stress where maybe one partner is the spender, one is a saver. And one person wants them all on the same page and lead to conformity, <laughs> lead to a lot of disagreements. How, how can, you know, it ease that with a couple when it comes to creating happy money in their lives? <laughs> yes, a lot of my uh, readers love uh, watching me interact with a couple. You know, I talk to thousands of people all the time. So say in front of 2000 people, I bring uh, the couple up on the stage. And uh, that's what they're, uh, you know, they're just, they have so much fun watching them because it's real, right? Yeah. So I might start doing uh, like a YouTube channel or Netflix show about happy money because that's so juicy, you know, usually. And it's real uh, and raw. Yes, yes. And yeah. couples have a, a completely opposite, uh, opposite side, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of a romance, uh, these two opposite sides get attracted to one another. For example, money maker, and also uh, a spender. You know, people uh, say say I mean it could be a guy guy or a woman woman relationship. Uh, say to make it simple, this uh, money maker is a guy, and the woman is a spender. 
So women, uh, this woman gets attracted to this moneymaker because she gets to spend all the money if they if she gets married to him. And this uh, business guy who just enjoys making money, but have no time and interest in spending money, feels attracted to this woman because she seems to enjoy life and she seems mm -hmm. to just give him so much uh, romantic energy. So they're attracted at the beginning of the romance. And after about five years into marriage, uh, the guy starts thinking, if I keep uh, my marriage for another five years, I'll be I'll go bankrupt. And this woman says, I never thought I'd marry this kind of boring guy. I deserve somebody better, maybe with a bigger wallet. And then uh, she gets disappointed in him. So that's why they have a they want a divorce. So once you know uh, what kind of money personality types you are, you understand how he or she interacts that way. So, mm -hmm. so for a spender, they, their biggest fear is, uh, you know, missing fear of missing out. You know, they want to go to every party. They want to go to every uh, exotic locations. They have a thousand bucket lists, which probably they're not going to finish, you know, by the, by the time they die. So, they are interested in experiencing, buying, enjoying more. And on the other hand, the saber people, they're scared of money. They, because say their parents got divorced when they were little or uh, <clears throat> they grew up in a single mother or father uh, household. So they thought money can bring a security. Those people don't want to spend any money going to parties, going to uh, vacations and, and enjoy life. Their, their biggest priority is security. And the moneymaker loves making energy, loves uh, expanding and loves learning, loves growth. Those people uh, respect growth, new learnings and uh, uh, new opportunities. And, and they just tend to take more risks. So they are very, very different people. Mm -hmm. Can you respect one another? Because a moneymaker can learn from a saver person to have a sense of security. And the saver person can learn about life by spending more money. Uh, they can learn from the spenders. And the spender people can learn from savers because they need to start saving. Otherwise, your next vacation uh, is going to bankrupt you. So if you, we can learn uh, from each other and if we can learn from... Uh, one another and respect one another will be creating heaven. But unfortunately, we think, oh, you did that. You know, I think you're wrong because we think we're right. That means they're, the other side is wrong. So unless we just realize I'm different from her, I'm different from him. And then let's meet in the middle. Versus saying, come be on my page, because that feels like a tug of war, right? And then yes. both voices don't get heard. Yes, that's what's happening in the workplace. If it's mm -hmm. a, a small company, <clears throat> say if you start with a, two people, one wants to take more risks and the other one wants to have more stability. So they would always fight. That's why uh, the business partnerships fail because they don't know uh, when to stop. Mm -hmm. No, it's really important. And you, we, not only are we talking about husband and wife, but we're also talking about families uh, fighting yes. over properties. How can families, what the, what can they do when there's a fight over property? Who gets this and who gets that? You know, what is the biggest problem is about the sense of entitlement and also sense of uh, contribution to your, your parents. Like uh, the eldest one, uh, left home when when he or she was 18 and then never came home, never took care of the, from, uh, the parents. <clears throat> and the, la the, the last child say that they want to, uh, the, like, the, the little, little sister or brother took care of uh, the parent needs and then brings groceries and they, they gave a ride to the hospital and all that. And then they, like, they didn't have enough time to get a real job. So how can you calculate how much you contribute mm -hmm. to the deceased father and mother? So 
uh, once again, uh, everything has to be on appreciation base. Can you appreciate the fact that you're born into the same family? But once again, we even though you're born and brought up in the same household, your your brother and sister could be a totally different person. So uh, if he or she is a spender, uh, you would scorn your brother and sister being a saver. Like, what is this, this pathetic woman doing stuck in a home and then make little money and then not enjoying life? And the other, uh, the other side would say, what are you doing? You're almost on the verge of a bankruptcy. You know, you should have some kind of stability, start saving. And then the property issue comes in. So the spender wants as much money as possible, right? And the saver wants uh, as much money as possible to feel security. So unless you can appreciate one another and then find the uh, beautiful place so all the kids feel secure. Mm -hmm. So it's a parent's problem if your kids are, uh, are going to fight. Like my, my when my mother passed away uh, seven, eight years ago, my brother and my sister sat in the dining room and then uh, how long do you think it took us to decide, you know, what to do? And it took us only like four minutes. Mm -hmm. And because we, before then we talked a lot. So uh, to reach a final agreement, uh, I explained, okay, this is a situation what I think, and, and I think you should get this, you should get this property. I'll get this one and you get this one. Everybody fair? Like everybody said, yeah, sounds beautiful. And then it's done. So it, it's because we communicated a lot. You know, I think my father and mother did a good job. We are uh, very, we have a very strong bonding uh, and we, where financial situations are, are different from one another, but we have the same mutual respect. So uh, for that uh, sake, uh, if you uh, have kids, you have to make sure that they feel secure, they feel uh, fair, they feel entitled to receive whatever you're going to uh, leave. Otherwise, you should donate all the money to charity. Right. And I, I've seen different situations where, you know, parents have said, you know, you're all doing very well. I want to donate this money to a charity. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen, you know, well, I've done this at this time, like you were saying those scenarios, but at the same time, we have to remember that our parents were in different phases of their lives with each of those children, you know, mm -hmm. building to their wealth or, you know, whatever situations have occurred for them. And then also what comes to mind is I'm, I'm in a family of five. I'm the oldest, but my thought is each of us have contributed at different times that right. others have not seen. So who am I to judge you on how much your contribution would be? right? Because contribution isn't just in the form of money or time right. or skill set, because I might have a skill set that my sibling doesn't. And mm -hmm. uh, I've come to appreciate that and, you know, remind them of their skill set and honor that skill set so that mm -hmm. we can learn from each other better. So that's a really important um, uh, information that you shared with us, Ken. I really appreciate that. Uh, can you tell me about the story, um, of that woman you know who had made more at work but she didn't ask for a raise she didn't find a job what is it that she did yes yeah, she she was complaining about her boss never giving her any raise or bonus and then she thought uh he doesn't know uh how to say thank you <laughs> it's somewhat common for you know business people uh, who don't really appreciate their the, the people they're working with. And so she learned about this happy money principle. And I asked her, I asked her, isn't there anything, even one thing that you can appreciate him for? And uh, in, in, in two seconds, she said, no. But she started thinking and thinking, thinking, oh, yes, one thing. He hired me, even though I didn't have a college degree. And I said, Yes, here you go. You know, out of thousands of uh, other applicants, uh, he could have hired somebody with a higher education. 
you are you just graduated from high school, but then uh, he hired you. And uh, but she said, oh, it's because I, I work for less, you know, <laughs> Do you know how, how she reacts. Yeah. So I said, OK, but why don't you just start thanking him in, in imagination? And then if you feel like it, just uh, show your appreciation to him. And a few weeks later, she started showing her appreciation to her boss. And then she uh, she uh, said um, in a few months in the seminar, uh, she said, you know what? This guy started thanking me. It was so creepy because he's not a type of guy who said thank you. Did you send any emails or <laughs> you know, said anything to him? No, no, no. I don't even know where you work. And she said, I got a raise, I got a bonus. And it's uh -huh. so weird. He seems to appreciate me. You know, and I think what mm -hmm. happened is that she started showing her appreciation to her boss, and then he, her boss was so busy with other things, and then he realized. Oh, I forgot to appreciate her. And then uh, for years, he didn't, he didn't give her any bonus or raise. So he just thought, okay, now is the time to give her back. And then uh, his thank you reached her heart. And she's like a little bit uneasy at the moment, at the beginning. But then she just opened up to him. So their relationship got so better and more thank you were exchanged. You know, Ken, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and we were talking about leadership and growing within organizations. And mm -hmm. she was talking about, well, you know, when people want to grow within an organization, they need to make themselves visible. They don't always need to have the master's degree. They don't right. necessarily have to have this or that. And as you share that story, it makes me think about part of that visibility is appreciating what you already have. And finding that one thing that, you know, even if it was just the hiring and also not being afraid to share your gifts with other people so that you can grow within that organization. So I can, I can see how that appreciation and coming from a place of trusting that you can grow without having to ask, you can mm -hmm. just be and show up differently. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you for that. One of the things I wanted to ask you, because my my oldest daughter is 24 years old. And uh, oh, you, I, look, you look pretty young for that. <laughs> yeah, I have a 24 year old, 21 year old and a 19 year old. Really? And, it's your uh, biological kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. And um, I think about, you know, when, when you said that your daughter is probably roughly about the same age, maybe a few years yes. older. And yes. that you have a special relationship with your daughter. What is the main thing that you have taught her about money? So I always included her in the discussion of how to share money with mm -hmm. others. Like say there's this uh, Cambodian orphanage here and there's this uh, animal shelter here. There is this environment, environmental uh, organization here. You know, like uh, how much shall we allocate the funds? For those uh, when we give away and then right. i i ask her opinion and then um i want her to be involved in this uh, make, uh decision making process and also um i showed her how to make money how to enjoy money and how to attract a lot of people and now she's a singer and so she's kind of learning from me how to um, bring in more uh, people to her concert. Uh, actually, next weekend I'm going to do. I'm in Singapore right now, and I'll if I fly back to uh, Japan and do a, a concert together, Vision Quest. She sings and I talk. So we, now we are doing a lot of events together, here and there. So uh, she learned so much from me uh, when it comes to uh, how money circulate uh, circulates in people's lives. Yeah. So uh, if you give more, you'll receive more. So uh, for her, money is uh, almost like a thank you card. So uh, uh, whatever you do gets returned with thank you note, saying like, thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your beautiful voice. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. So that's a scorecard. 
That, that's incredible. I, I just, it warms my heart to hear that your connection with her. And all I want to say is, when are you coming to Edmonton? Because <laughs> I would love to come and witness her voice and be a part of hearing you speak. That would be so lovely to Thank be you. We did a, a small concert in a jazz club in Vancouver. Oh, wow. That would this be fantastic. Uh, in February. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if yeah, you do that again, more. let me know, because yeah. I would love to fly over to Vancouver and uh, join you for, for one of those sessions. It would be lovely. Yes, Vancouver is our favorite town, so uh, we might bump it and we might do the same in sometime in the future. Uh, okay. I'll just tra start traveling. Once my book, new book will come out in May of okay. 24, I'll do more of a North American tour. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I would love to uh, be able to meet you in person and give you a big hug yes. and yes. Uh, have some more happy great. money discussions. <laughs> yes, that's so beautiful. That would be lovely. So how about the really poor people, single mothers, the homeless, vulnerable populations? It's one thing for us to talk about shifting to happy money, but what happens to the people who are truly struggling? How, well, how can we help them become more feeling abundant and in the place of happy money. Right. You know, before I start, uh, just let me talk about how countries treat people. Mm. You know, I've been going around the countries for several, uh, around the world several times and realized that you get lucky if you're born into a certain country. And if you so, get so unlucky, if you're born into uh, a wrong country, like you're now living in Canada, so you understand how, say, United States is so messed up with the medical thing, right? Yeah. So I don't want to go into too much into politics, but when it comes to a system of the country, like in Northern Europe, they have to pay higher taxes. But, you know, in Denmark, for example, do you know how the average college tuition in Denmark, Copenhagen, you know, if you go to university, how much do you have to pay is zero. Yeah, I think Sweden's like that too. Yeah, all the uh, college tuition is free. And right. on top of that, if you are enrolled in college, the government pays you 800 euros to support the studies. And if I just tell this to American uh, kids, like they're going to faint. And also medical, uh, a lot of in a lot of countries, medical bills are free. Well, like 10% or 3%. I went to a dentist the other day and then the cleanup fee is only $8. It's not $800, right? Wow. So if you are in a, a fortunate country like that, you don't have to worry about your survival. But if you are born into a country where medical thing and a lot of things are, uh, you have to pay, mm -hmm. that's a bad luck. But we have to play with uh, what we got. You know, uh, uh, we are born into a certain country that, they, that, that doesn't provide a certain things. But it's almost like you're born into a wealthy family, not wealthy family, or you're born into a tough family. I was born into a wealthy family, but very tough childhood. My father's abusive. So I got bought cars in that sense. So everybody has to play with the certain cards we got. You know, that's something we can't change. So what you can change is how to play the game. If you play the victim card, you know, you get... Uh, victim cars all over so it, uh, i understand you're struggling right now but you can change your situation in a matter of a year and two years just uh find out uh people who got out of the similar situation that you're in mm -hmm. and if you do some research there are like 20 different ways to get out from that ditch and uh, the first most important thing is you know you should know you can get out in a matter of months, in a matter of years, and it's not a permanent situation. So don't feel like you're stuck. It's your feeling that you're stuck. It's not the fact that you're stuck. Mm -hmm. And then you have to start asking for help from the right people. You know, Ken, I had heard something similar when it comes to people wanting to heal themselves mm -hmm. um, or, you know, they might have an illness and they go into that fight, flight, or fear is that a freeze response and that right. if they're in that place of paralysis they can't actually seek help the ones who yes. are seeking help are already on the road to recovery that's so true yeah. yeah so first you have to 
just uh, um, know that you can get out. And mm -hmm. then once you know, and once you make up your mind to get out of the place, for your child especially, if you have a child, and for yourself, if you're single, and then uh, you have to start acting. Uh, the first uh, 10 tries may not work at all, but that doesn't mean the 11th, 11th try will also fail. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> for the uh, 13th or the 14th or the 15th trial, it may work. So keep trying, don't get depressed because uh, when you say that's it's over, it's over. So life game is um, you can play, uh, you can keep playing unless you call it, it's over. Right, right. Well, Ken, I could I can continue to talk to you because I really enjoyed your book. And, you know, I, you. Like, I like talking about money because it's something that flows and it's something that we can do amazing things with. Um, That's so true. And I have a couple questions that I, I want to keep mindful of the time because I know you probably have a day filled with activity. What mm. is one book that has been a very powerful piece to the shifting the way you do things in the world? And it can't be the one you wrote. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also I've been recommending a book, A Die With Zero is a title. You know, a lot of us just keep spending, uh, keep saving too much and then uh, we tend to just um, postpone our fun. Mm -hmm. So Die With Zero is something that um, you should read. And if uh, if you're a spender, you don't need to read it. And if you're struggling right now- <laughs> You already you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but Die With Zero is a concept that we oversave over our money yes. and then forget how to enjoy life. And life is to be enjoyed. You know, um, I feel sorry for people who are struggling uh, day to day because uh, that's the only way you know, but life can mm -hmm. be fun. And there's so many things out there that you can enjoy. So um, just if you have a hard time making both ends meet, yeah. do that. And then if you start making both ends meet, uh, if you will start saving money. And then after that, you start enjoying life because there's so many great things out there. Beautiful. The final question that I like to ask, because on our show, we talk about principles of life, leadership, and business to help people live rich from the inside out. What does mm -hmm. it mean to you to live rich from this inside out? For me, I think enjoy every moment is uh, my motto because uh, it could be bad. It could be, it could be good, but you never know after a few years. So mm -hmm. I don't judge if this is good or bad. I enjoy um, every moment. So um, could be negative, could be positive. It could be raining. It could be sunny. I have a skill to enjoy both. Yeah, that's wonderful. It makes me think of going to, uh, I've been at a doctor's office not too long ago. And the girl was like, yeah, it's raining today. It's kind of cloudy. And I said, yeah, but I, I bring my own sunshine. So it doesn't matter what the weather looks like. Right. So when you bring <laughs> yourself to where you are, you, you can make enjoyment no matter the conditions around you, mm -hmm. including happy money. <laughs> yes how can people stay in touch with you or reach you and learn more of your wisdom so uh, i have a website canhanda.com and you can find all the information there and um i am translating a lot of stuff into english and i'm so i i start teaching in english now so one day i hope to meet you in person and to share um to share what you know and what you have done in your life I love to learn uh, from people. Excellent. And if there's any way I can help you, Ken, I will be more than happy to um, share the wealth per se, share more happy money in the world because we can do some amazing things. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in person. Arigato. Thank Arigato. you everyone for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. You can also go over to my website at Deborah kazowski.com where you can get your free pdf right now of reset your mindset i will have all the links in the show notes so that you can stay in touch 
and, you know, through social media and Ken's website so that you too can create happy money in your life. So if someone asked you, can I look in your wallet to see if you have happy money? I hope that it is smiling big, just like the Cheshire cat. <laughs> so thank you so much, Ken. It's been wonderful to have you here today. Thank you, Deborah and everybody. I'm just sending lots of happy money energy for you. <laughs> Excellent. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great.